0: Welcome to Color Me Conscious. We have more in common than difference. Our intention is to explore the intersectionality that unites us and build consciousness about the layers of oppression we all carry.
1: Color Me Conscious, where consciousness is at the forefront of the discussion about race. Right, 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 right. Hello and welcome to another edition of Color Me Conscious with Mailika and Myra.
0: Hey. What's up,
1: what's up?
0: So glad we're here today.
1: Absolutely. Another beautiful day here in Oakland, California. And um, today's topic that we're going to be discussing is family separation, police brutality versus border patrol. Mm. So the we do like to have some feel-good stories. So mm-hmm. I want to open up with a feel-good story. So um, unless you've had your head under a rock... Um, you're aware of the family separations that have been occurring at the U.S. border that have garnered uh, tons of media attention over the past several months. Rightly so. And um, that family separations at the border actually have been an issue. Um, Immigration and ICE uh, deportations have been an issue uh, for decades in this country. And um, just... Good to point out that there was uh, plenty of issues with deportation during the Obama era mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. However, uh, with Trump in office, there have been some significant changes, mm-hmm. and um, one of the the most significant changes that has you know gotten a lot of media attention has to do with um, the a, a person's ability to um, apply for amnesty. Mm-hmm. So there is a process for refugees seeking amnesty in the United States. And that um, prior to uh, the the Trump administration, then when a person uh, wanted to seek amnesty um, in the United States, then the way that they would go about doing that is crossing the border at a non-border crossing, mm-hmm. presenting themselves to the border patrol, mm-hmm. receiving a citation for crossing the border at a non-checkpoint and then going ahead and filing for amnesty. Mm -hmm. Um, What the Trump administration has done is they've criminalized the crossing at a non-checkpoint and um, began detaining people for crossing and prosecuting people for crossing at a non-checkpoint, thereby inhibiting... The their ability to mm-hmm. even apply for amnesty, right?
0: Because you're now a criminal. Ooh, what a strategy
1: move! Right. They they never even get to to get to that that point in the in 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 the process. So it's pretty cold, you know, pretty cold calculated. World. Cold world. And. Um, as um, most of our listeners know, then this has resulted in um, the separations of parents from their children. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe there was over 5,000 yeah. um, um, children that were separated from their families. Yeah. And then there was a big uproar, of course, because there was um, no tracking right. of children, where they were being sent, who they were being um, uh uh, released to, yeah. and, and a
0: treatment and while a tr- they were absolutely. in the detention centers and being put into cages and it's egregious, right? Not getting food, not getting water, a hundred percent,
1: absolutely, just an embarrassment. And it's it's a shame. It's a true shame to the United States, and it is a um, one of those times that our country is definitely showing its true colors. Mm. You know, it's kind of like the mask, like, well, lifted yeah. up a little bit. Like you know. when
0: Drake's fake beard came off a little bit. It's <laughs> exactly. like, ooh. Exactly. We can see that's fake. So we could see that Land of the free, home of the brave, refuge for those around the world seeking shelter and safety is the facade of what America is. And we know that this latest episode of border separation and deportation and mistreatment of people that are seeking asylum is just another chapter in the long, varied history of abuses that the United States government and atrocities that have been committed against people of color.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and rightfully so. People have been indignant, mm-hmm. and there's been all sorts of um, of allyship moves um, that uh, have taken place uh, for people who have been just completely um, outraged and um, and distraught mm-hmm. over this um, this human rights issue. Yeah, and so the feel good story that we have um, it's, it was started. Um, On August 6th, by a tweet by Beth Wilensky, and she tweeted, My husband travels a lot. Downside, he's gone a lot. Upside, frequent flyer miles. We just got some to fly a three-year-old and his dad, who had been separated at the border from, uh, from Michigan, where the son had been taken to their extended family. DM me if you want to have miles to donate. So that's dope, right? Like yeah. this lady has a ton of free flyer, uh, frequent flyer miles, mm-hmm. and she decided to go ahead and use that to reunite a family that had been separated yeah. due to um, the the uh, border separations. That's what you call allyship in action, right there. Absolutely, and she's a white woman.
0: Shout out! Whoop! Met snaps Whoop. for Whoop. you. That's a creative Whoop. way to leverage your power and help people that don't have as much as you do.
1: Right, and fact check here um, just scrolling through an article here on CNN, it does say that more than 2,500 children were separated from their parents since implementing the zero tolerance policy Um, so my same Mm 5,000 was a little bit um, inflated Um, But who
0: knows what the actual number is True, 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 true We do know that the way things are reported isn't always the way they happened.
1: True, true, true. But um, it's good to be accurate. Yeah, so I just wanted to fact check that uh, mm-hmm. based on what seems to be a reliable source. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, so CNN did an article about this that was um, actually just four days after. On August 10th, they did an article, um, you know, talking about this viral tweet. Um, and as a result of this woman um Posting her tweet, it was shared. Um, let's see. It was. Sh- it looks like it was talked about on Twitter more than thirty-two um, thousand times. Wow. And um, as a result, more than seven point three million frequent flyer miles uh, have been donated. Uh, to reuniting families separated.
0: Heyo! Way to start a good trend.
1: Absolutely. Props. 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 Masha Allah. Definitely barakallah to Beth Wilensky. Shout out. Shout out. Shout that's out for being
0: creative and Do being that, a true white ally and being a revolutionary. Exactly. <laughs> in your own way, and that's just another example of how you can, in your everyday life, um, try, attempt to dismantle white supremacy. Exactly. And using privilege uh, in, in constructive
1: and creative ways mm-hmm. because definitely there's an economic privilege at mm-hmm. play here that mm-hmm. she has um, just all those um, frequent flyer miles to give away.
0: Right. So right? I would encourage every person who has a privilege of any type, and everyone's got their own layers of privilege, use it, leverage it to help people that don't have as much as you do.
1: Absolutely. And I got to say, like, as a white woman, it definitely um, makes me feel... Um, it makes me feel really optimistic to see other white women um, really take ownership, be creative, and mm-hmm. and use privilege um, to speak out and take action. Right. And it's something that I've noticed a lot around the, the uh, family separations mm-hmm. at the border. I've noticed a lot of... Um, of, like I said, completely justified outrage mm-hmm. regarding this. And, and, and I'm glad to see that this is not an issue that has just disappeared behind white silence and apathy. Right. Because I believe that the amount of media attention that it's gotten... Um, to an extent, has to do with the fact that so many white people care about this,
0: right? And we do know that there is a hierarchy to that white outrage that is immediately impacted by the media coverage on something, right? So, on the opposite end, here we know that there is a um, there is a level of white apathy that goes towards police brutality against black bodies, right? Mm. So we 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 know that. When the Women's March happened, there were women of all races and nationalities coming together to support and speak out and enact unity together, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There were Mm -hmm. black women. There were white women. There were Asian women. There were Native American women. There were women from other countries. There were women, you know, young women, old women, right? So when it's about women, we can all come together. Right. But— When the Black Lives Matter protest happens or or any other rally that's specifically about blackness or any demonstration about outrage of police brutality, there is white silence. There is Mm. white apathy. Right. There is this distance between white people and black people Mm
1: -hmm. when it comes
0: to those that are speaking out. And... It would be a very different protest if all of the white women stood up next to all of the black women at the Black Lives Matter movement.
1: Definitely. that makes me that makes me think because I was just saying like how I feel like proud um, uh, to see white women taking a stance and being political and, um, and you bring up an interesting kind of juxtaposition, mm-hmm. just in terms of uh, where is that support when it comes to mm-hmm. police brutality and Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I had seen um, I had seen a, an interesting post on um, on social media, and it was uh, a black woman holding a sign, and the sign said that um, I think that it said. Um, what was it exactly? It was that um, uh, death by police is permanent family separation.
0: Ooh, say that. So she's saying that, yes, families are being separated at the border, but they're alive. Right. As, l- as long as they stay alive, whereas a, a black person being brutally murdered um, or injured to the point of death by uh, at the hands of the police is permanent family separation.
1: Right? And, and that's sh- such a powerful reframing. Like literally mm-hmm. I did get chills. Mhm.
0: That's real because there shouldn't be a varying level of outrage, right? Like the outrage is what do we say? An injustice any anywhere is injustice everywhere. Right. I guess
1: I was just curious how you feel like right. about the the media coverage with the the family separations at the border as a black woman. How do you feel about white outrage
0: about it? So I think um, we had a conversation in the past about, you know, the the border separations and what that means. And my initial knee-jerk reaction to it is, well, what about us? What about all of the black bodies that are slain? What about the permanent family separation? What about the institutionalized racism that continues to maintain the status quo of white supremacy? Where is the outrage about the prison industrial complex and how it's removing a lot of black men from our society? Hmm. Where is the outrage about... The disparities in our education system and how those with a lower socioeconomic status are not given the same access to adequate education. Right. Right. So we can be outraged, and that outrage can be manipulated by the media coverage But we as citizens of this country should be paying attention to every injustice that's happening. And we should be mobilizing for every injustice that's happening just the same. Because an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. So if you're going to be mad about the border separations, if you're going to be mad about animal cruelty, if you're going to be mad about uh, the stock market, you should be just as mad about mothers— Fathers, brothers, sisters, children, yes. aunts, uncles, grandmothers being beaten, being drugged, being choked, stabbed, mm-hmm. being abused in any way. Absolutely. Not even just physical abuse. We're talking about verbal abuse. I myself have been verbally abused by people, right, because right. of who I am, completely unprovoked. I mean, mm. I've been in San Francisco, California and called a nigger and a bitch on my shift. I'm working. I'm on my lunch break. Dang. I'm on my lunch break trying to get some lunch. And a white man comes up behind me and decides to curse me for filth and then go on about his day. Like, just drop. Wow. I'm just going to drop this verbal abuse bomb on you. And I'm going to go on about my day. And even now, like that was weeks ago, I still feel... Some kind of way about it. It's like I mm-hmm. went through a myriad, a range of feelings about it, but it's like there's nowhere to put that. There's nothing to do with it, mm-hmm. so I put it into this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going to speak what I need to speak. The things that I wish I could say to him, I'm going to say to y'all right here, right now. You know? Right. That's what I choose to do. That's what I choose to put my energy into because I, I can't go find that man. He didn't have no shoes on, so I'm sure he's out there struggling. But <laughs> I chose to, you know... Take take that situation, objectively look at it, step back and say, Well, you know what, Malika? Let's have empathy. Let's let's empathize with this man. I don't know what he's going through. I don't know what is hurting him. I don't know who mm-hmm. taught him these racist ideals. Mm-hmm. I don't know what influences he could have been under, what substances he could have been influenced by to make him think that it was okay to come up and just start shouting uh, derogatory language at anybody who will listen. And I was the only one standing there, so there's no way he was screaming it at somebody else. Like, I looked around, like, is anybody else seeing this and hearing Mm. this? No, it was just me and the people inside the food truck.
1: Can I just note, like, the level of emotional intelligence that you're displaying right now, Thank like you. the self-awareness and emotional intelligence, that's deep. Yeah. I mean, because you're talking about something that you made those assessments in a split second, mm-hmm. right? Because you didn't turn around and, and curse him out. No. Right?
0: Right.
1: Um, and, and that—
0: and I would have me, been justified to do it. You
1: absolutely <laughs> would have been justified to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just thinking about all the things that you thought about. Of course. Yeah. Within, mm-hmm. you know, a very short amount of time. Right. It, it was a split second. Right. Sort of decision. And it makes me think about the burden mm. that people of color carry mm-hmm. um, that, you know, um, is part of the privilege of whiteness is mm-hmm. not having to be aware. Right. At all. At all. Right. And, I, and I think, like, when it comes to white fragility and stuff like that, it just kind of popped into my mind about, like, how white fragility seems tied to, uh, you know, potentially a, a a
0: low level of emotional intelligence. A hundred percent. And there's a, the there's a fear. I think it comes from a real fear-based mm. place, right? Mm-hmm, like, you're mm-hmm. afraid of your own past. You're afraid of things you don't understand about other people. Right. You're afraid of how, you know, things may come out of your mouth wrong.
1: Being and, wrong, being bad. Right. Just being, plain and simple, like, right. I, I'm bad because I'm white and because I benefit from white privilege. And there's
0: a lot of judgment. That's a, I mean, that's a whole narrative. That's a whole, like, negative feedback loop inside of one's brain.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, everybody, I think, goes through um, those sorts of um of dialogue when it comes to identity and race mm-hmm. when you live in America mm-hmm. because it affects all of us. Right. But again, like the way that white privilege functions is the fact that we as white people
0: can ignore it. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting because you know I don't have the ability and privilege to ignore it. <laughs>
1: exactly. I don't have You're the ability, forced right.
0: To deal with it. I'm forced to deal with it. I'm forced to uh, represent the cause. I'm forced to be empathetic, right? I mean, I could choose to not be empathetic. I could choose to be to have a um, carnal visceral reaction to what that person decided to spew at me. Uh, the, the I'm going to tell you right now honestly the biggest thing that stopped me from saying anything back to him or running after him or trying Trying to go find the sheriff so that they could, you know, detain him uh, was the fact that I looked down and saw my badge because I'm at work. Mm. I was at work while it happened. I'm on the clock. My hands are tied to this bureaucratic system. I can't. Mm. Now, there's a power differential here. The man didn't have any shoes on, so either he just got discharged or he needs to be admitted. The the facts. (laughs) Facts. That's facts right there. Keeping it 100. Right? So, keeping it 100, I don't know what's wrong with his brain, but all these things are swirling around in my head at At the same time that he's just going on about his life. And who knows what other uh, racial expletives he spewed out at other people on his way to wherever he was going.
1: Right. Wow. What was the other point? Well, I guess I just wanted to tone in more, like, um, if there was anything you wanted to say just about... Kind of if you had some sort of visceral reaction, like, oh, because yeah. I just imagine if I was in your shoes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because we have talked about this in the past, so mm-hmm. I, I remember some of the things that we've said or that you were saying. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about how, like, if I was in your shoes, like, maybe I feel even like I might be a little bit upset or feel mm-hmm. like a little bit, like, betrayed or feel like, yeah. you know.
0: I, I think that there's a, the, yes, in some instances in some ways you do feel um, overlooked and you know it's, it's like you stand there and you're kind of like well what about us what about what we're going through mm. what about every day we know that there is uh, another black person slain from for one reason or another whether it's a racial attack whether it's police brutality whether it's even a black on black crime like that's real too right mm. but there's oh, I just lost my whole train of thought <laughs> um what stories,
1: maybe? Like, who... Whose stories are told? Whose stories are cared about?
0: All right, I'm sorry. Let me not feed you your to, lines. You got, it, you got it. we don't have to edit this out. Yeah, no, it's all good. <laughs> I just lost my entire train of thought. Brain part.
1: Um, I know. Hasbun allahu and nehmid wak'in.
0: Let's back up, back up, back up, back up. So, we were talking about...
1: What is your initial reaction? What right. is your your response? How do you
0: feel? Right. I de- right, okay. So I definitely feel um a myriad of things. So at at first it's that that knee jerk, what about us because, you know, we're dying in the streets too. We're experiencing permanent family separation when when a member of our black community is is taken from us. Right, Not by their own doing, not by you know, natural causes, but by uh, systemic forces that are out there to dismantle the black life and to devalue it. Mm. So for, for me, it feels like, on the one hand, it's anger invoking. On the other hand, it's a continuation of a narrative that already existed. On the up, uh, like on the other hand, it's like this is more of the same for hmm. us. Mm. This is more of the same for any oppressed group, right? So then there is, it's on the other side of the defensiveness that I could feel about. Well, what about us? On the other side of that is, is the empathy to understand that if we know what they did to us, we know what they did to Black people and continue to do Black people, but that doesn't get the same outrage that and maybe it's just about what's happening right now it's a current event right or it's it's about the media coverage or whatever but it at first sometimes it's hard to feel as bad about what's happening right but then I have to check that I have to check that frame of thought because it's not a us and them
1: Mm -hmm. right like
0: it's like we've said, an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. Yeah.
1: The so, actual quote is a, uh, an injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. A threat to justice, and everywhere.
0: that is yeah, an MLK quote. Right. So thank you for that. That's that's what I always come back to, because I do have a place of love and empathy at my center, at my core. Mm. So when I'm when I'm balanced and I'm looking from a place of love, and my lens is one of complete inclusion, right? So you know my my self-centered reaction is, Mm -hmm. well, what about all the black people that are dying? What about all the black babies that are dying? What about all the health disparities within the black community? What about, what about, what about? Like, you go on forever. But the border patrol situation, the deportations, the separations of the families, that's bad, too. Right. That's terrible, too. horrible. That's deplorable, too. Right. Right. So, it's almost like, What I would suggest and what I'm trying to do is just take that energy. Don't let it turn into apathy. Instead, channel it into action, Mm. right? Because you can come from a place of understanding. You can come from a place of, you know what? I've been there. I've been discriminated against, too. I've been verbally abused, too. I've been physically attacked, too, all because of who I am, not because of anything I've done or Mm. anything I haven't done, Mm. right? So for that, we should be able to rally together, and go in support of these people.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that.
0: You're welcome. I love to share.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, the, a couple of things kind of popped up for me while you we were talking about that. One thing I was thinking of was just the entire like divide and conquer sort of mentality. So
0: um, Another pillar of white supremacy. Right.
1: <laughs> Is that actually one of the pillars? Uh No. Not, this mean, paper, it's, it's, but not, not in this just, paper, but I think it's, it's implied. I mean, it, yeah, absolutely. I think it can go under the, the, the othering either or sort of thing. Um, or, I mean, there's books and books and books on mm-hmm. white supremacy. So I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Um, but it was making me think, yeah, the divide and conquer um, sort of mentality just And then it's like, if, it's like there's a hierarchy for whose lives matter and Mm -hmm. the border patrol family separation issue um, kind of, it actually, it reminds me of, so I went to South Africa. Uh, I had the privilege of going to South Africa. Uh, it's a very interesting place to go. And um, because of the history there, particularly around race and apartheid and apartheid ending um, in the 90s. So, um, you know, it's kind of like Jim Crow, but not 70 years ago. Jim Crow only 50 <laughs> years ago. Right? And, um And it's actually reminding me of, I went to Robben Island, and I went to, Robben Island is one of the uh, prisons that Nelson Mandela was held at. And there was this chart that was explaining the, um, there was a racial hierarchy to the um, uniforms that uh, prisoners got. Uh Uh-oh. Where, um because there there was basically three you know main racial classifications in South Africa. you had your white, you have your colored, and then you have black. Oh. and so colored is actually an umbrella term that um, includes different people of color. Colored mm. uh, includes um, people who are um, from a a, a a native indigenous. Um, tribe in South Africa that are brown. Um, It also includes um, brown people from uh, India that were Mm. brought as slaves. It includes uh, brown people who are Cape Malay, which is a a mix of um, indigenous, black, and um, Indonesian Mm. Um, because the Indonesians were also brought... um, uh, from the dus- Dutch East Indies. Um, it's a long story, but mm-hmm. they're there. And uh, and then it also includes coloreds, which are an ethnic group um, of, it was uh, basically like a black tribe that had intermi- intermixed with white Dutch like a mm-hmm. couple hundred years ago, but then they still kind of have their own ethnic group. Yeah. And so they're if they if you saw the, you know, coloreds here, you would think they're black. They're yeah. African American if you saw them walking on the street, mm-hmm. but they're actually considered their own ethnic group. And so all of those people are technically considered under the colored umbrella mm-hmm. in the racial hierarchy in South Africa. So that was a bit of a digression, but I just wanted to fully explain it because um, the chart was basically saying, like, the white prisoners got, like, a shirt and pants and shoes, socks and shoes, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, the coloreds got, like, pants and socks, and then the blacks got shorts. And that's Exactly. And, I mean, don't quote me on it. I was just— Reading it on the tour, but it was something that really stuck with me, mm-hmm. you know, because in a in a similar way, that can completely be applied to so many different ways that racism plays out um, worldwide and particularly here in the United States. And mm-hmm. th- tying it back to our conversation, I'm tying it back to the values that lives are ascribed, mm-hmm. and we have that same hierarchy that— um, that black lives are at the bottom, and then you have brown lives in the middle and white lives at the top. Right. We see more outrage about the mistreatment and, um, you know, inhumane things that are happening to brown folks mm-hmm. than we do see outrage for similar things happening to black folks in the United States. Oh, 100%. States. I mean,
0: consider an Amber Alert say more. You When you see an Amber Alert, you hear about it. I mean, I feel like more often than not, it's a little white child that got abducted and yep. the Amber Alert is enacted. We know that little black and brown children go missing all the time, but they don't always get an Amber Alert. Right. Donisha and Taekwon don't always get an Amber Alert, but... Crystal and Billy will very likely get an amber alert. Mm. That's a disparity mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely um, and I think that that can be applied to um to other privileges as well, not mm-hmm. just race. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking about um was about you know we were discussing the pray for Paris after the um there was yes. the terrorist attacks in Paris
0: that was a while ago yeah it was really interesting how the attacks in paris happened and immediately you saw profile picture after temporary profile filter of <laughs> pray for paris and the paris flag and everyone's posting the picture of the eiffel tower they took that one time they went to paris or the screen grab from someone else right and right. there where is the pray for Somalia, where is the pray for Afghanistan, Pray for Detroit? Turkey, Turkey, Pakistan. Right. Yeah,
1: Somalia, where? Nigeria. Right. There was terrorist attacks where, you know, hundreds of, like maybe dozens to hundreds of people died right. and, and there wasn't any outrage for that. Right. I mean, we're looking at Nigeria, the schoolgirls that went missing.
0: Oh, my God. Where was the Facebook filter for that?
1: <laughs>
0: where was the Snapchat filter that was going to raise money for that. Right. Right. right, Non-existent.
1: Right. So, definitely some layers to that. And I think that um, it it raises an issue about, um, about media coverage. And one of the things that it makes me think about is, you know, is it I don't know if the right analogy would be the chicken or the egg sort mm, of thing. Which came first. You know, exactly. Is it that there is this racial um, apathy Um that sort of drives um, the the media and what does and doesn't get covered because it's mm-hmm. all about ratings. Mm-hmm. And so if people aren't tuning in and people don't care about an issue, mm-hmm. then they're not as likely to amplify it. Mm-hmm. They're not as likely to broadcast it. It's not as likely to go from local to national. Mm-hmm. Um But then there's the flip side of it that, you know, is it because of the media coverage that, you know, is it it shaping people to be apathetic because Mm -hmm. we aren't exposed to the issues that are occurring every day within the black community?
0: I think the latter is true because consider who's making the decision about which stories make the news, Hmm. right? Who's in a position of power within a news outlet to decide which stories get covered in the one hour that slot that you have, True. predominantly white male individuals run that segment, right? True. So if they have final veto power, then the things that they may pers- maybe personally care about or the things that they believe other people will react to, right, right. it's all in their perspective of what the population will receive and then feel something, Right? Absolutely,
1: and that's why there's the 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 two things that are are in, that kind of uh, really influence how a story is um, is covered and 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 the sort of attention that it gets. Number one, who is victimized, and number two, who is speaking out, mm-hmm. right? Because if you know um, if a group of white people speak out about a Black Lives Matter, uh, it's probably going to garner more attention than if a group of black people do it because <laughs> there's groups of black people talking about black lives matter all the time and Every it's night. not getting <laughs> it's not picking up right you know what i mean it's not getting picked up it's not getting syndicated it's and not in going fact, national it's getting
0: attacked and demonized and villainized so right. that people will say oh those those black lives matter people they're just trying to race bait they're just trying to incite riots they're just trying right like you can't win for losing. (laughs) If if I'm part of the oppressed party and I want to speak out about that oppression, Mm -hmm. then I'm race baiting. Exactly, which is another reason why it's going to take us
1: white people to stand up and really change the narrative Mm -hmm. about white supremacy culture in America. Amen, say that. I guess one thing that would be important to say is, like, in having these conversations, we're we're just— We want to um, acknowledge the um, dynamics that are at play, but by having this conversation, like, in no way as a disclaimer are we trying to prioritize injustices here. We're not, you know, comparing, you know, whose injustices is is more important. All these injustices are important. Everybody's life should be equally valued. The problem is that all lives
0: won't matter until black lives matter. Exactly. And every little piece of what we've talked about here is you could think of it as a different color in your coloring box. And we are trying to use those colors to color you conscious. Mm -hmm. So in no way, shape, or form are we trying to impart a judgment on the topics that we're covering. Instead, we're trying to pose it to you in a way that'll have you think about it a little bit differently mm-hmm. and then point out the intersectionality and the parallels.
1: Right. And I'm wondering here, like, I'm just thinking about, like, like for me, very much, I believe that Black Lives Matter is a humanitarian issue. And I I feel like there is, overall, as white people, there are, like, it's like we as white people have blinders on to, um to, black issues mm-hmm. in America. And I'm just thinking about, well, why is that? Yeah. You know, is that because of white guilt, mm-hmm. right? Is it that we don't, w- because by looking at the um, at the injustices that are happening to black Americans, then we have to look at our own privileges. Mm. And based on that, that's why we don't
0: Oh, it's hard to do it because in in order for somebody to win, somebody else has to lose. And that either-or mentality as opposed to, yes, Sam, why can't we all win? Why can't we all win? Why can't we all win? Why can't we all win in the way that we define as winning? Right. Why is there only one way to win? And that means that everyone else has to lose because white has to be the best.
1: Mm-hmm. Can I say, okay, that just made me think of something when I was talking about um, the the blinders to black issues in America. And it just made me think about the differences in the way that whites um, relate to African-American blacks mm. versus african Immigrant blacks in our country. Say more, <laughs> please. Well, um, so there is more comfort, I think, with um, white people in social interactions with Africans. Um, I see a lot of, you know, we're lit in the Bay Area. It's a very diverse place. I work in healthcare, and there are a lot of um, educated. Um, Africans that you know come to work in healthcare in the United States, mm-hmm. and um, and also my personal history. I was uh, you know married to uh, an East African, and um, I noticed you know that there um, the the ways that whites relate you know um, to African immigrant uh, populations is a bit more of like there's like a an intrigue, mm-hmm. you know, because there oh. is that. Um, uh, what is it? Kind of like exotic, you yeah. know, foreign. Oh, there's always interesting. An exactly,
0: there's different way of dressing.
1: Different way of dressing, mm-hmm. also different. Um, different way of thinking. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about you know when people come here, particularly um, having grown up in Africa and then came here, they have an entire culture and history that mm-hmm. they're bringing with them. Mm-hmm. They have an entire perspective that has been rooted and 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 um, raised in Africa. Mm-hmm. and And so there isn't the same racial conflict that whites have with African Americans because the relationship to blackness from Africa, Th- there's not that brown bag
0: rule and 1%. Oh, yeah. You know, there's 100% not that same you're history. getting. Right. Exactly. Right. And looking at, an, from a white person looking at an African, Do you know you can talk to that person and they can point exactly to where they come from and their lineage and everything like that? You talk, that same white person talking to an African American, you can't have that same conversation. Not only can you not have that same conversation, but if you tried
1: to, Mm -hmm. it would inevitably lead back to, well, I don't know my history because my ancestors were robbed of that information because of your ancestors.
0: Right, so then we hit that impasse and we know that that entire thought process goes through a person's head before they even start the conversation so then you can't it stops before it starts there's a defensiveness right
1: there's an extreme defensiveness of white people
0: towards relating to African Americans right Which does a disservice to the entire movement and does a disservice to the ability to move forward, right? Like, just like with any hurt, just like with any trauma, if America as a whole would just acknowledge the fact that this terrible stuff happened, Mm -hmm. then you can start to move forward. Like, if you spill coffee on my laptop and now my laptop's ruined, you must acknowledge that you did it before we can move on. Because if you spilled that coffee, ruined my laptop, and then just go on about your day as if it never happened, just try. To ignore it or forget it, that actually just adds insult to the injury of the fact absolutely. that my laptop's messed up now, boy. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Not to compare a laptop to racism and institutionalized slavery, but I'm just trying to make an analogy to help folks understand what we're talking about. Right. And I feel triggered. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's okay though. Like, I'm okay with that, mm. you know, and I think that that acceptance of discomfort is what a lot of people need to do. Like, I feel triggered by this conversation, but I'm not going to go out and act out in a rage, right? Like, I'm just going to accept that this is triggering to me, and it's an ongoing issue, and it's Mm. not going to be fixed tomorrow, and it's not going to be fixed by just one person. It's going to take... Everybody, all literal, all hands on deck to try to fix all of our the listeners, all of our listeners, all of all of our non-listeners. <laughs> it's gonna take literally everybody to try to address some of this stuff. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we're doing our little part. We're doing a little part. What we can here with this mm-hmm. this baby movement we got.